Hello, everyone. Welcome to our brand new podcast show for the love of books, featuring indie and small press authors who bravely navigate the treacherous waters of self-publishing and marketing, even during the pandemic. I will be your host, Emma, and we're going to have a blast as we move forward to enjoying life again in all its dimensions. This show was made partly possible by the generosity of Doc Chavant and her support for the arts. It is my pleasure to present to you author Angie Kidd. She is the author of debut book, The Healing Star. Welcome, Angie. Great, thank you for having me. I'm excited to do this. I'm glad you're here. You call yourself a kid at heart with a youthful exuberance. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you tell me. A lot of people say I'm younger than I look, and I, um, you know, my, my actual real name, my um, maiden name is Kid. Okay. So, and I worked as a children's librarian, so I kind of have this, and I do feel like a kid at heart. Um, but you know, the main reason that I I chose that name is because I wanted other kids to be able to relate to me. And I wanted them to feel like they could write a book too. So I really wanted it to be this sort of inspiring thing for kids. Okay. How did you come up with the idea for your debut book, The Healing Star? Well, I've always liked um, looking up at the night sky and I've liked learning about the moon and astronomy and all that. And actually, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut, but then I found out you have to do all these spinning things <laughs> and I get really bad vertigo. So that wasn't going to happen. So this is kind of my way of still making that journey into the sky. And so I just, you know, I started asking myself these questions, kind of what if questions, um, thinking about like, we always look up the stars, but maybe the stars are looking back at us. Right. And what if the stars know something about us or our lives um, right. more than we do? And then the biggest question was, what if stars somehow had healing powers? So that's how it began. Oh, that's a nice question. Tell me about the main character, Julia. Who did you model her after? <laughs> so interestingly enough, she's kind of an aspect of myself, but I would say when I was much younger, like maybe five or six, um, kind of a spunkier version of myself. I used to wear a red baseball cap backwards and I wanted to drive a motorcycle um, and all these kind of crazy things. And so I think that strong-willed aspect of my personality is where Julia comes in because she's, she has this perseverance, you know, she's not gonna take no for an answer. She wants to save her grandmother. She wants to catch a star and she's not gonna let anything get in her way. And I think that part, um, you know, is, is, is part of my personality. It's not all of it. I have a shyer side too, but um, that part of it, I think is what I drew from for her. How about the character of the grandmother, Grandma? Yeah. Tell me about her. So she's actually patterned after my own grandma a little bit. Um, especially the relationship. I had a special relationship um, with my grandma growing up. She taught me piano and she'd come over for Sunday dinners. 
And so we had kind of a close bond and Julia and her grandmother probably even take it one step further because she calls her her cosmic twin. I mean, they're really closely connected. Um, but that's kind of where I, you know, where that relationship comes from. Um, and I really just wanted to create a relationship that I think we can all relate to. I think we all have someone that we're very closely connected to, um, someone that we would tell anything that could help us with anything. And it's that person we don't want to lose. So I think readers can kind of connect with that. You know, you would do anything for them. You would die for them. So um, I think that's kind of a universal relationship. And how about the plot? How did the plot come along? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of journey stories. Um, so I think that kind of unfolded partly in and of itself, going on a journey and coming back. Uh, one of the earliest images I had was of this ladder to the stars. Um, you know, it starts out with star catching, but then I thought, you know, what if we can actually go up to the stars and how would we do that? And for some reason, I didn't want her to like get into this rocket or anything. You know, I wanted it to be more, I don't know, almost like a fairy tale, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I kind of thought of, uh, kind of thinking about like Jack and the Beanstalk, how he climbs the okay. beanstalk. And so I was, you know, just again, I had this idea of the ladder and that was one of the first images. And then what would happen on this ladder? She'd have to meet some, you know, some crazy characters along the way. And at some point I came up with cloud people. Um, so it's just a lot of fun just making up stuff really. Um, and then just, you know, having her have this journey to get the star. <laughs> and is there like a morale to the story? Like the takeaway from it? Yeah. From yeah, so definitely there's, I mean, there's themes of friendship and family and loss, but the biggest one for me is hope. Uh, I especially think we all need it right now. I mean, we've oh, yeah. all been through so much with this yeah. pandemic. And so, I mean, this was before the pandemic, but it, it, you know, it came together that way. And so the idea is like I was talking about before, Julia really is, you know, has perseverance and she continues to go after what she wants. And no matter what gets in her way, she finds some, something else to try. And that's one aspect of it. But then I really wanted to take it a step further and kind of the question you ask yourself, what if you've tried everything and you still can't get what you want? What do you do then? How do you find hope? Who do you turn to? And um, I think that's important too, learning you know, who we can lean on, um, how we can help each other. And I feel like in the end, she learns to find to see that things can work out, even if they don't work out the way you want them to, they can still work out, you know? And so I think that's an important thing for any of us. That's very important. How about the age category for this book? What is the age category? So it is middle grade. So um, specifically I said grades three to six because um, the writing, you know, I think younger kids could handle the writing style, but um, since it does deal with illness, I also, you know, recommend up to sixth grade. So it really just kind of depends on um, your particular child or reader. Um, but also honestly, like even adults were enjoying it. Um, I think because again, it deals with 
this town that has this mysterious illness um, and they don't know what it is and they're dealing with that. So, you know, adults are starting to find comfort in it because of the pandemic. Okay. Oh, yeah. So how have you been marketing the book? I mean, it came out prior to the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So you had a book launch, pre-pandemic, normal book launch. And then after that, how have you been marketing? <laughs> so yeah, it was, you know, I'm grateful that it came out before um, the pandemic because I was able to do some in-person events. I did some author fairs and I, I was able to do a couple school visits, a couple library visits. But I feel like what happened was just as I was gaining momentum, then, you know, the pandemic came in and Aww. suddenly the school visits were canceled, the fairs were canceled. And I was like, oh, my goodness, now what, you know? And so um, I suddenly had to rethink everything I was doing and sort of pivot. You know, I think we all every industry had to do that. Right. Like what creative things can we do now? Um, so in the beginning, actually, I was doing some video story times. Um, which was actually for a younger audience, but I'm also a children's librarian. So I thought, and libraries were closed. So I was like sad about that. And I was like, maybe I can share some stories with, with kids. Okay. Um, and so I did that. And so that was good because I think it reached a lot of viewers. I don't know if it necessarily translated into sales, but it got people to know me. Mm -hmm. um, but then I think what happened with is that like once everybody started doing virtual stuff, then it sort of became inundated with virtual stuff, you know, yes, so it's, did. so it's just, um, I think it's still hard to try to find ways to be seen, especially as an indie author to kind of stand out, you know, and so um, I had, I've had the most success still with live virtual library visits. Um, okay. They're doing all virtual. Um, so I feel like, and what's worked best for me is to do book clubs, like a book discussion, mm -hmm. um, because usually, you know, the libraries purchase some books for that and they already have a guaranteed audience um, because they're usually running a, a regular book club. Um, so, and I've led book clubs before, so it's just a fun thing. And then I also get feedback about the book. So that's really great. That's I great. About it. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like, but I've also done, I've done some crafts too related to the book. So sometimes the library is like that, um, mm -hmm. you know, doing a craft together, like about stars. Um, the school visits, it's just been too hard because, you know, they're changing protocols all the time. So oh, it's hard for them to set things up. So, but I'm really hoping that will return soon because I think mm -hmm. that's the best for kids books and stuff. I think going into the schools is really the most lucrative the best way to really absolutely absolutely so why have you chosen uh, the indie way rather than trad so uh, to be perfectly honest i was starting traditional first um i was i've been part of scbwi and um you know i did try with an agent and with this so what happened was I felt like I was getting pretty close um, to getting an agent with this particular book. There was a lot of interest, but probably as you know, it's still a really long, slow process. Sometimes they want you to change something maybe you don't wanna change. And it was still taking a really long time to get an answer back. And I, and I just decided, you know, since I had enough interest, um, I was just gonna give it a go. You know, I, I just decided I'm gonna just try to Put this out there. I'm ready. It's I'm done working on it, and I think I have something to share. 
And it was both terrifying and exciting, you know, to just jump in. And I had to ask, talk to everyone and ask so many questions. Um, but there's been something so gratifying about it. For one, um, choosing, making that choice myself, not waiting for somebody to decide if it's good enough, but me deciding it's ready yeah. was, was really, it gave me confidence actually, you know? Yeah. And then, um, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to wear all the hats, but then I realized, well, because I still hired people, you know, I, I hired a designer and I hired an editor and somebody to do the book cover, um, but I was managing everything. And I, I learned, I kind of liked that. I kind of liked being part of all those decisions, you know, learning about, I learned things about like, you know, word spacing, you know, like typesetting and stuff that I never would have probably um, had to think about before. And I could, you know, help making the, the title page, everything, you know? And, um, and I think that learning process, maybe I'll go traditional eventually, I don't know, but, I've learned so much about the business side of things. I think that's a really, you know, becoming savvy in that way. It's not a lesson I would take back, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so what platform did you publish on? So I published through Amazon. Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I also, but I also did a print run. So that was, because at the time I wasn't sure if Amazon, um, if, if you could also um, get books. Now I know that you can get books from yes, them. But at the time, I don't know, it was, I wasn't sure. So I did a print run as well. Um, so I went through that whole process um, of working, you know, with a, a publisher, a printer, I should say. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. and I also did, um, oh, I forget the name, um, Draft2Digital. So I did the ebook with them because oh, they distributed it in so many different, you know, so that I didn't have to distribute it to each, um, you know, different ebook retailer. I went through them. So, and I recommend that. I think it's a nice process mm -hmm. they're offering. So, what was it feeling? What was your feeling when the book actually reached the reader and you got the first reviews? I saw you had great reviews from the libraries from the Midwest Book Review, well, what were you feeling? I mean, that must have been an awesome feeling. It was the best feeling. I mean, I'm sure everybody says that when you hold the book in your hands, when you see the cover, you know, I hired an illustrator, somebody that I really admired her work. So seeing that image and it meshed right with my story, she had that same creative vision. So that was really cool to see it, you know, see that illustration. Um, yeah, the, the review from Midwest Book Review really was exciting because you don't know what you're gonna get, you know, I mean, if, if you ask a friend, it's one thing, but you know, so that was, especially because I think with that review, she got, um, she mentioned something in there about how it was more than just a fantasy, you know, that it was, there was a literary quality to it. And I really appreciated that she got both aspects of it. Cause I think that's something that I try to accomplish in my writing. I'm really big on writing fantasy, but I also want there to be layers and a deeper message. So it was really cool that she, she picked up on that. Uh, the librarian? Um, the, the reviewer from Midwest Book Review. Okay, I can read that. A kid cultivates a special sense of magic 
in following Julia's struggles against the odds. That's the review from the Midwest Book Review. Yeah, it's a little bit longer, and you can actually read that on Amazon. If somebody wants to read that, they can go on there and see the whole on thing. Amazon. Okay, all right. So, when and why did you start writing? So, <laughs> I, <laughs> like, where to begin? No. <laughs> yeah, where would you? Were you young? <laughs> but honestly, so. I've been writing, so before I could even write, like I was age four, maybe three or four, my mom told me that I was telling her stories and she would write them down for me while I drew the picture because I'm also an artist. So honestly, it began, you know, it's been there since I was a little, a little girl. Um, and then I would say, I don't know, different, you know, I tried different things um, growing up. You know, I did this young authors conference. And then in high school, I got to write my own picture book. The crazy thing though, it was for Spanish class. So I was trying to write it in a language I didn't really know. So that was like a little bit, that was kind of a struggle. But even then, you know, the idea, the concept, I got feedback that people really liked it, you know? And so there was always this Thanks. little spark in the mm -hmm. back of my head. But then you know how it is, like you're growing up and you're trying to, people are telling you, you should get like a career where you can make money, you know, and something stable. So like at first I was gonna be a journalist, um, but you know, all these things, like they all bring something, you know, they all teach you something. Like I learned research, you know, and I mm -hmm. was able to interview people and talk to people. So that was good. But then what happened is one day I was covering this poetry um, open mic and I was watching people do their poetry. And I was like, I don't wanna be covering this. I wanna be writing the poetry, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, um, that happened. So then I started doing performance poetry and that was cool because I would speak in front of an audience and get this immediate feedback. So that mm -hmm. was another aspect that really, you know, helped me on this path, even though I didn't know it. And then after that, I became a children's librarian. And, um, you know, I got to be around all these stories and learn, you know, what was being written, what hadn't been written, what were the trends, what, you know, what still needed to be out there. And then one day I was just like, I need to do this. This my dream is still to write the story, you know, not just share the books. I want to be the author. And I just took this leap of faith and just did it. Did it. How long did it take you to write that book, your debut book? So to actually write it, I say most of the books, if it's a novel, could take about a year to write it. Um, but because I was trying to, you know, take the traditional route first, um, you know, it was several years before I got to this point. And I was writing other things and coming back to it. You know, I had a had a child and came back to it kind of thing. Um, so that part, you know, was a little bit longer because I was trying these different avenues as to how I was going to get it out there. Exploring. So what do you feel sets you apart from other authors? other than the genre, you know, from other kid authors? <laughs> well, I mean, like, you know, part of it, there's two things. Part of it is what we already talked about. I think me sort of establishing myself as a kid, I think a it's kid. a special way for me to connect with kids, you know, yeah. and get them to want to read it. 
Um, and I think the other thing about it is I always try to have a thread of magic in the story because I really believe that there's a thread of magic in the world and people might call it different things, but, um, you know, if you're not into that sort of thing, I, it's just another word, I think, for hope or being positive, positive thinking. Um, but I think that's another thing that kind of, you know, makes the story unique. It's, it's a real situation, but there's something, some magical thread in it that sort of elevates it. I believe in magic too. So <laughs> what kind of advice have you been getting so far? What's the best and the worst advice <laughs> by now? I know you're a young author, a debut author, but still people are probably giving you advice, right? So what do you feel? <laughs> what do you feel was the best and the worst one? Um, well, the best advice, I mean, wait, did you say best um, advice or best review? What was it? Say it again. Advice, advice. Oh, advice. advice. No, no, not, not review. Advice. Okay. Um, I think the best advice was about, you know, trusting your own instincts and being true to the story because it's really easy. I mean, once you get involved in critique groups and stuff, it's so easy to like go down someone else's path. And yeah. it's hard because you want to grow and you want to pe take people's advice um, seriously, but you don't want to lose sight of why you wrote the story. So I think, you know, somebody said to me, if it, if you resonate with the change or if so many people are suggesting the same change, you might want to consider it, but don't just do it just because even if it's a big name, you know, don't just change mm -hmm. it just because. And so, you know, learning to sort of trust myself and make that, you know, have that balance. I think that was, the best advice really um and that takes time that probably takes time for everyone to get to yes that yes it does um and how about the worst advice so far <laughs> um, if you can gauge it i mean <laughs> but you already have some experience right <laughs> maybe just um you know not to not to continue, you know, oh, not, oh. To, not yeah. to, even just some aspect of it, you know, that maybe I wanted to follow, not to, not to take that risk because it's too scary or it's too, um, you know, there's too many things that can go wrong or whatever it is. I think if I had listened to that, I would have quit a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and sometimes over the time, I mean, I, there have been times where I've paused, you know, for different reasons, mm -hmm. but you just can't, if it's something you really want to do, you just have to find a way to do it, you know? So I'm glad I did listen to that. <laughs> yeah, follow your dream. How about the biggest challenge in the entire creative process from the initial idea to the final product that made it to the reader? What do you feel was the most challenging? Well, including like making the book too um everything in the entire process from yeah. the con conceptual idea to the book on the shelves at the library or at the bookstore 
throughout that whole process, if you were to dissect that, what do you feel was like the most challenging or that you struggled with the most? So on the writing aspect, I think just, again, with the revisions, um, I've gotten better with it over time, but it's, it's not my favorite part. I'm an idea person. I don't struggle with ideas. Um, and I love getting those first ideas out on the paper, but then when it comes back to revising and maybe, maybe not the first revision, but after like the 10th or the 20th revision, it's like, how many more revisions do I need to do? I think that it's just really hard to know when to call it done, you know, and when to stop. Um, and the only part I think that saved me there was after a while, and this, you probably know this too, you start to make these connections. You know, when, when something that wasn't working out, you find a way to reconnect it or make it, you know, or this plot hole that you're like, what am I going to do? And then you make it work. That's really gratifying. So, you know, over time, it got a little better um, because I would see that there would be a way to, you know, there's always a way to make it work. And once it is stronger, then it's worth the time you put in it. Um, and then as far as the actually making, producing the book, um, I mean, it was all, it was all, I didn't know what I was doing. So I would say all of it was hard oh. because I was just winging it, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I think, you know, I had to work, I only had to work with a cover illustrator, but I think, you know, there's um, negotiating a contract, I think was definitely something that's was not in my forte and I don't know if everybody actually has a contract when they go this route but usually you might have to encounter one in some form or another and I was kind of freaking out about that you know because I didn't want to get taken advantage of and I wanted to make sure everything was even luckily I ended up finding um this like art lawyer that would help like pro bono. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so that was really in my favor to just look over this particular contract and make sure. Um, and again, who knows if anything would have happened, but I think that part, that's I think where an agent, you know, or publisher would come in handy because they can help you with those, yeah. those things. Um, but you know, I made it. <laughs> you made it. And you now I know some. Your first book, congratulations, <laughs> you made it. <laughs> All right, and now to your future plans. You have your entire future ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> so what is in your plans? Okay, yeah, so still going full speed ahead. <laughs> I actually have a few different avenues I wanna take, even though middle, middle grade I do think is my sweet spot because I just enjoy that age group. But right now I'm actually working on a environmental sort of dystopian YA and it's in dual perspective. Um, so, you know, there's two characters and I wrote one in present tense and one in past tense. So, you know, Ooh. like totally Ooh. something new. Uh, we'll see if that's, you know, but I don't know, climate change and stuff like that is kind of big now. So um, we'll see, you know, it's kind of hard to jump around. Um, because if you have an audience, then you suddenly have a new audience. So, you know, we'll see. And then I'm also doing a picture book actually, which is based on a Japanese folktale. Because okay. um, my husband's Japanese and my daughter's half Japanese. So I'm kind of bringing some of that cultural aspect in there. Um, so we'll just see, you know. We'll see, that sounds interesting. All right, would you like to read to us? 
Yes, I would love to. All right, so I'm not going to start at the beginning. I'm going to take you to an exciting part. And if um, I'm not sure we talked about the, pre the, the premise of the story, stars with healing powers are falling from the sky and fourth grader Julia is trying to catch one um, so that her wish will be granted. She needs to save her grandmother's life. She has the invisibility illness and eventually she'll completely disappear. But if Julia can catch a star, her wish will be granted and her grandmother will become well again. So right now she's on Blackberry Hill waiting for the star to fall. She's with her dog Petey and she's waiting to try to catch it. So, get to that page. A strange popping sound startled Pete from his dream. He whimpered, but then went back to sleep. Julia looked towards the sky, something flickered. It could be an aircraft or maybe a UFO. She smiled as she thought of JG's mother and her wild theories about aliens. Another flicker like a tiny light bulb flashing on a Christmas tree. She wanted to reach out and grab it, but knew, but she knew that it wasn't how it worked. Was this the star she'd been waiting for? The star that would make Grandma well? She said a silent prayer to Asteria, goddess of falling stars, and then continued to watch and wait. Watch and wait. Watch and bam! The noise was loud like a firecracker or a gun. Julia peered into the bushes looking for signs of the catchers, but no one was there. It could have been the starting signal, but that would mean a falling star had already been sighted. Julia's heart hammered in her chest as she stared back up at the stars. A spark of light streaked across the sky like a lit match. She grabbed her gear and started running. Come on, Pete, Julia called as she flew down the hillside, the net waving behind her like a flag. She never took her eyes off the star. As she headed towards the field, a scattering of colored dots moved below the catchers. She had to get there first. With maximum momentum on her side, she reached the bottom fast and nearly tumbled into the grass. But she flung her arms out like an airplane to keep her balance. Go, 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 whoops and hollers with excitement howled all around her. One boy and girl collided a few feet in front of her and then fell to the ground. To avoid the chaos and confusion, Julia veered right, still following the trail of smoke in the sky. This star was a whopper. She could tell by how fast it fell. The trail of smoke and dust particles fanned out behind it like the tail of a dragon, a real fireball. Julia's palms began to sweat. She still hadn't decided whether to use the gloves or the net. Where was Pete? She didn't have time to look. A lot of the catchers headed west as if anticipating that this firecracker of a star would launch itself all the way to the edge of the field. But Julia had a hunch, something her grandma used to tell her. She headed north sprinting as fast as she could. The chilly air tickled Julia's nose, but the heat of her excitement warmed her. Her muscles ached as she forced them to work at a superhuman pace. She wanted to stop, but she knew she couldn't. An image of Grandma lying sick in bed popped in her head, propelling her forward. Come on, star, drop, drop. Finally, the star eased up. It was losing momentum now, dropping down like an elevator in a skyscraper. How many floors up was it? Julia guessed, 50? She just had enough time to get under it. Luckily, no one was in her way. Shouts rang out in the distance. The catchers sent their mistake. They were turning around. Somewhere a dog barked, was that Pete? If the catchers caught up to him, they might kick him for sport, especially if he got in their way. She hoped the memory of his sharp teeth would keep them running while she continued to focus on the star. Just like catching a pop fly, she tried to convince herself. Her hands shook. She licked her upper lip. Was this what victory tasted like? Salty? 
She rubbed her hands together with excitement. This is for Grandma. Julia tried to ignore the shouts of other catchers heading in her direction. She checked the status of the star, maybe 25 stories left. Time to prepare. She put on the gardening gloves, planning to catch it in her hands like Jacoby had done. Her hands shook. She looked right at the star, searching for answers. It hurtled towards her in a blaze of light and dust, temporarily blinding her. For a moment, she looked away, spots continuing to dance in front of her eyes. Her courage burned out. What would Grandma do? Her grandma always told her that stars cooled and hardened upon contact. The gardening gloves were made of nylon, which might melt given the strength of this star. What was the net made of? Think, Julia, think, was it wool? Yes, sheared from grandpa's very own sheep and wool burned more slowly than nylon. Julia picked up the net and clutched it firmly, staring down the star. 10 stories left, her eyes burned so much she almost needed sunglasses. The star was too bright. With only five stories left, she had to shut her eyes, but she quickly forced herself to squint. Squeezing the handle of the net, she wished harder than she'd ever wished before. Please let me catch this star. Please let me save Grandma. Wham. And that's where I'm gonna leave it. Nice. <laughs> Pretty, I like that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, how about, where can people see you live in person this summer? Any particular places, festivals, oh. events? So not live yet, unfortunately, but this weekend, um, there's going to be a virtual author fair through Plymouth Library. So you can find me there um, at their virtual event. And then in June, on June 8th, um, at five o'clock, I'm going to be doing a tween book discussion um, at Troy Public Library. And then after that, it will start, it will just be for tweens. But then after that, they're going to open it up to the public. So anyone can come and for the virtual author visit. Okay, how about parting shots? <laughs> so I definitely um, wanna mention my website. It's www.akidwrites.com. Um, I just created that recently, so I'm pretty excited about it. Um, you can sign up for the, the list, um, the email list, um, and you know, book me or figure out how to get a signed copy. Um, and there's some also fun activities for kids. And then the message for readers is just, um, you know, read indie for sure. And, you know, don't give up on your dreams and keep making wishes, especially on stars. Yes. And the parting shots from me are buy indie, read indie, write indie. Keep on writing. Never <laughs> give up. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Angie. Thank you very much. It was fun. It was fun.